We'd ask you again to take your Bibles tonight. Please turn to the book of Psalm 34 in the Old Testament. And uh, let's look at this great song from the scriptures. And we do ask you to continue to pray again for the Rock of Ages Missions Conference. that will be coming up or a national conference in Northfield, Massachusetts. That's June the 21st through the 24th, and we certainly need the church's prayers uh, for God to meet with us in a very special way as we take the old-time gospel to the New England states. That is the roots of our uh, gospel here in the United States of America, and uh, we did a <clears throat> Baptist history tour some years ago, and many of the churches that used to stand for the truth are now flying the homosexual gay pride flag They've gone extremely contemporary without getting into all the details of it. Uh, don't hold to the Bible, have almost no preaching. And when they do preach, it's not from God's inspired, preserved book, the King James Bible. And so we need the gospel in the New England states. And if we have revival in America, I believe it'll come through the dedication and consecration of God's people. And so I'd ask you to pray as we go to the conference and pray the Lord will give all the preachers great liberty and power in preaching of the scriptures. We'd ask you tonight, if you would, if you're able to stand. If you're not, that's certainly understandable. But in Psalm 34, we'll read two verses of Scripture. Tonight, I want to preach by the grace of God on broken things. Notice in Psalm 34, verse number 18 and verse number 19. The Bible says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We thank you for the goodness and the blessings that you've bestowed upon us as a church and as a people in this great nation. I would ask you now that you'll be with us tonight. We certainly need your divine power and presence. We'd ask you to be other pastor, Brother Gravely and the family. Give them your good strength and blessings upon them. Help them that they'll have a time of rest and relaxation as it refreshes for the ministry in the days ahead. I pray the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost of God would lead his thoughts and minds as he contemplates ministry and other things before him and family. I'd ask you that you'll bring them back to us and Lord may burning brighter and deeper and, and a hotter fire in his heart than ever before. I would ask you that you'll be with our church, continue to add to it daily such as should be saved. Thank you for those and the faithful that are here tonight. Others are providentially hindered and not able to be here. And I pray your blessings upon them. Help us tonight as your people. We lean upon you. We need you, and we ask you to do what we cannot do. Therefore, we'll ask you to do all things tonight, for without you, we can do nothing. We lean upon you tonight and ask you for your help, for we ask it in Christ's name, and for his sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this great psalm in the uh, scriptures, we find that the Lord, the Bible says, is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such of a contrite spirit. We live in a world that has a lot of brokenness, broken homes, broken lives, broken families, broken siblings, broken ministers, broken churches, broken Christians, broken businesses, and broken schools and colleges and just about everything you can imagine in life. Unfortunately, we live in a day where more things seem to be broken than they are fixed. And this world of broken things, it seems as if the philosophy of modern day culture and civilization is, if it's broken, cast it out, cast it aside, and for it's good for nothing. 
But I'm glad that God uses broken things. And I'm glad that he's the great repairer. He can repair broken homes. He can repair broken relationships. He can repair broken families and churches and other things that we consider to be broken and that are despised. Anything that we no longer need, we normally cast aside and throw away. Damaged goods are rejected, and that includes people, unfortunately, in our generation. I've had numerous people over the years ask me why I was not in evangelism or pastoring rather than, or just being a missionary to a, a normal country somewhere rather than being a missionary to prisoners. And many have said to me they're in prison and they deserve to be there and they do not need the gospel of Christ. I remember some years ago I was preaching in Sealy Lake and Montana and as I finished the message, there was a gentleman there that used to lead singing in some of Billy Sunday's crusades. And even back then, uh, he was up in his uh, late 90s, and I enjoyed just standing and visiting and fellowshipping with this dear brother, hearing the great stories and the moving of the Holy Spirit of God in those great meetings. And as I was shaking hands with some of the folks that would come out of the auditorium and been obedient to the pastor's request to shake hands with the church folk, a gentleman came by and I extended my hand to fellowship and thank the church for allowing us to be there. And he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, I'm not shaking your hand. He said, because I don't agree with what you're doing. He said, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, every prisoner deserves to die and go to hell without God. And I looked at him and said to him, I said, sir, at least there's one thing that you and I can agree on. He said, what's that? I said, every prisoner deserves to die and go to hell without God. And then I followed up with this statement without hesitation. I said, while they deserve to die and go to hell without God, so do you and I. And with that statement, he got mad and stormed out of the church. Well, I wasn't trying to be offensive to him, and I wasn't trying to cause any issues for the church or the pastor. But the truth of the matter is, Many of them that we preach to, they are broken. They come from broken homes. They come from broken relationships. They come from uh, various backgrounds and circumstances. And may I say to you, my friend, when marriages and relationships break down, uh, most of the time, uh, this society and culture has a tendency to wash their hands and walk away from it. But may I say to you, my friend, I still believe in reconciliation. There is still hope and help in the Bible and in God's divine word. The world is full of people with broken hearts and broken spirits and broken relationships. May I say to you, my friend, that if a grain is crushed according to the scripture and a grain is crushed and cast away, we find that it brings forth life and God can take dead things and things that are cast away and bring it to life and restore it. May I say to you, my friend, tonight that God uses broken things. You say, preacher, I'm broken in spirit, I'm broken in heart, I'm broken in mind, I'm broken in soul, I'm broken in about every aspect that you can imagine. Well, I've got good news for you tonight. You're right where you need to be for the blessings of God and the healing of God and the moving of the Spirit of God in your life. 
The Bible tells us some of the things that God used that were broken in the scriptures. To begin with, in Judges chapter 7, the Bible tells us that they broke pitchers and God used them. The light shone out. The Bible tells us in Mark 14 of one who uh, used and broke the alabaster box and God used uh, not only broken pitchers, but God used a broken alabaster box. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 24 that the Bible said his body was broken for our sin and our transgression. May I say to you tonight that God uses broken things. God even uses those that have a broken spirit and a broken will according to the Psalms. God is able to take fish and bread and break it before feeding the multitudes. The Bible said he took a, a net that Peter had that was broken in his fishing trip and yet God used it for his glory and for his honor. The Bible tells us that Paul was in a shipwreck and the ship was broken asunder and yet God salvaged his life and God used the broken ship in Paul's life. May I say to you in the book of Jeremiah, there were broken vessels as Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and yet God used the broken things in his life. I say to you tonight that God uses broken things. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, whenever God means to make a man great, he always first breaks him to pieces. And after God broke Jacob, he made him a prince, according to Genesis 32 and verse 24 through 32. David was a king over Israel, but God first had to break him in order to make him a king to rule over the household of Israel. He was rejected by his brothers. He was hated by Saul. And yet through the midst of all of this, God used him even while he hid in a cave of Adullam, the suffering that he went through in his life. And serving as an outcast, we find that yet through all of this brokenness, God used him and made him a man after God's own heart. May I say to you tonight, we want the blessings of God. We want God's power upon our life. And we want God to move in our midst and in our families and homes and church and ministry. But may I say to you tonight, before God can do that, God sometimes has to break you and I in order to make us and remold us. God uses broken things tonight. May I say to you that often when God's going to expand our ministry or God's going to expand our spiritual walk with him, sometimes he has to break us in order to make us. He makes us hungry before he feeds us. Sometimes he strips us of our pride before he robes us with his power. Sometimes he makes nothing of us before he makes something of us. Tonight we need brokenness. One thing about the sin of our nation and the culture in which we live in the United States of America, our pride, our apathy, our complacency, our slothfulness, our sinfulness, and our actions and deeds and our thoughts of our mind and heart, the only good thing I can see coming out of it is that God would take it to break us so that he can make us and remold us and use us for his glory and honor. Sometimes God will use our peers in order to break us and make us and remold us. Sometimes we'll use circumstances that is beyond our control, even as he did Joseph. We find in the scriptures that sometimes God will take circumstances that you and I have no power over and no control over and God will use it to break us. Sometimes he'll use a crisis such as he did in Jacob's life in order to break you and I that he might use us for his glory. There are those tonight that are sold out for God 
sold out in the sense not that they've given it all for God. They sold out and went to the way of the world. Money has become more of a priority than God. Jobs have become more of a priority than church. And jobs have taken in America and taken us down a road financially in prosperity that sometimes we believe that we do not need the divine presence of God to work in our lives. May I say to you that some God, sometimes God uses our own pride and our own circumstances and self-sufficiencies. Sometimes he'll use them against us that he might break us such as he did Haman in the scriptures. Let me give you a few things on brokenness versus pride. Proud people focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have a critical fault-finding spirit, but broken people are compassionate. They can forgive much because they know how much they have been forgiven. Proud people are self-righteous. They look down their nose at others. Broken people esteem all others better than themselves. Proud people have to prove that they are right. Broken people are willing to yield their right in order to be right. Proud people claim their rights and have a demanding spirit. Broken people yield their rights for they have a much meeker spirit knowing that they have been broken and they desire God's blessings and his divine presence. Proud people are self-protective of their rights and reputation. Broken people are self-denying. Proud people desire to be saved and served. Broken people desire to serve others. Proud people desire to be a success. Broken people desire to be faithful and make others a success. Proud people desire self-advancement. Broken people desire to promote others. The Bible said that we should esteem each other more than ourselves. Proud people have a drive to be recognized, appreciated, and honored. Broken people are excited that God would use anyone, especially themselves. Proud people are wonder when others are promoted and they are overlooked. Broken people are eager for others to get the credit. They rejoice when others are lifted up. Proud people feel confident in how much they know. Broken people are humble by how much they have to learn. Proud people are self-conscious. Broken people are not concerned with the self-image at all. By the way, may I say this tonight? Are you more concerned about your image than you are God's image? Many of Christians I meet in our generation are more concerned about their own personal image more than they are the image of God. Proud people are quick to blame others. Broken people accept personal responsibility. Proud people are unapproachable, are defensive when criticized. Broken people receive criticism with a humble and open spirit, realizing that it is probable they are receiving rightful judgment. Proud people have a hard time saying, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? Broken people are quick to admit failure and seek forgiveness when necessary. Proud people are remorseful over their sin, sorry that they got caught. Broken people are truly, genuinely repentant over their sin and desire to be right with God and mankind. Proud people wait for other person, the other person to come and ask for forgiveness when there is a misunderstanding or conflict in a relationship. Broken people take the initiative to be reconciled. May I be transparent with you tonight, and I'm going to anyway, 
And I hope that you don't judge me for this tonight. I'm your human like anyone else and probably more human than anyone else, I would say. And don't ask Mrs. Ellis. She'll give a hearty shout, amen, swing from the chandeliers, run the top of the pews and wave a hanky down the aisle, shouting amen. He told the truth the whole time. But I remember some years ago, we were going down the road and I don't remember the details. Uh, Mrs. Ellis and I had a little disagreement. Can anyone say amen right there? Anyone ever had a disagreement with your spouse? Let me see your hand now, be honest. I didn't know we had that many that didn't like to tell the truth at Bible Baptist. I thought she was more spiritual than that. Now let me see your hand again. Oh, we just had revival. Thank God. I think I can preach on now. But we were going down the road and we'd had a disagreement over something. Honestly, I don't remember what it was. I'm confident it was something frivolous. And we were going down the road and I was kind of reminded of the couple going down the road and she looked over to her husband and said, you know, you haven't said you love me since the day we got married. He looked over and said, well, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. And that was kind of the way I felt at that time, to be honest with you. And I don't even remember the details. And then I'm reminded of the guy that was going down the road and his wife looked over at him and said, you know, we first got married, said, you couldn't have stuck a piece of paper between the two of us, we were so close. And she was squeezed over against the uh, passenger's door and of course he was in the driver's seat. He looked at her, looked back at the road and he said, I have, you know, I hadn't moved an inch. And that's the way I felt that day. And uh, now I'm gonna be transparent with you. Judge me not, please, brethren. She reached over and said, I'd like to hold your hand. I said, I ain't holding your hand. Now say amen right there. Come on, ladies, help me out. He's not going to. And we was going down the road for a little ways and it seemed like the Holy Ghost of God began to convict me. And it seemed like the Lord said in that small, still voice, that's exactly the way you do me. And boy, the Holy Ghost of God broke me and God taught me a lesson. Now, you're getting awful quiet on me tonight. If I hadn't been preaching for 40-something years, I'd be nervous about now. But I've learned quietness is sometimes a good thing. You see, the truth of the matter is we need to take the initiative to get broken relationships right sometimes. People are proud and proud people rather are remorseful over their sin or sorry that they got caught. Broken people are truly genuine, repentant over their sin and willing to take whatever means necessary to get it right, provided it doesn't breach or violate the law of God. Proud people wait for the other person to come, as I said, and ask for forgiveness, but broken people take the initiative to reconcile. Proud people compare themselves with others and they feel worthy of honor. Broken people compare themselves to the holiness of God and feel a, des a desperate need for his mercy and for the goodness and the blessings of God upon their lives. Proud people, they don't think that they need a revival, but they are sure that everyone else needs revival. Proud people sat in a service when the preacher preaches on sin and they think to themselves, boy, I'm glad he's preaching that because so-and-so needs this and God knew it and laid it on the preacher's heart. Proud people cast rocks and stones. And I remember years ago, an old-time preacher made this statement as a young uh, preacher boy at the Mount Vernon Baptist Church where I used to be a member some 40-something years ago. 
And J.P. Rohan was preaching and he said, you know, when you throw a rock in the pack of dogs, the one you hit, cause it squeals the loudest. And that's the way it is with preaching sometimes. But you'll find out who the proud people is and the proud person at heart. They'll usually squeal the loudest. But broken people continually sense their need for revival. I'm telling you tonight that we need revival in America and it will not come to the proud. It'll come to those that are broken and contrite in spirit that God can use because God uses broken things. Jacob all of his life had been using God and the people to get what he wanted for himself. He was a conniver, a supplanter. If you'd have met him, you'd have liked him a lot better over his brother. But Jacob was a type and put his arm around you while you're going fishing and be picking your pocket at the same time. He used people, he abused people. He only built relationships that he might get personal gain and personal advantage. But then God brings him to his knees. God sends him to Laban. And while he's with Laban, God uses Laban and the circumstances to break him. And we preached on that a text this morning, how that Laban said to Jacob, I've learned by experience that God's blessings have been upon me because of you. And yet God would use this loved one in order to break him. And we find that God broke him. And when you submit to him, we see that God blessed him and made him a prince. You consider the life of David. There's something about reaching a breaking point that causes us to seek the Lord. David, though he was the great king of Israel and the man that was after God's own heart, had sinned and transgressed against God on various occasions. And after sinning with Bathsheba and taking another man's wife in a sinful, lustful, uh, sinful adventure, we find that God had to break him. And there are some things in our lives that need to be broken. Sometimes we have our pride, our self-will, our stubbornness, and our sinful deeds and habits before God. All of us tonight have things in our life in which we need to be broken over. God would make David broken before he would make him a king. To us, broken things, as I said, are despised and worthless. But God can take what was broken and remake it into something again to use for his honor and his glory. Even Christ, the Bible said, was despised and rejected in the book of Isaiah in chapter number 53. He was despised and rejected. May I say to you, my friend, tonight, that you and I need to surrender to God and allow him to make us whole, to give us life, to give us our meaning and purpose in life. In Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that are love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Now I want to clear something up tonight in case we have a misunderstanding. And that is simply this, that brokenness is not suffering. God will use suffering in order to break us sometimes, but suffering itself is not brokenness. I know a lot of people that suffer. I know a lot of people that are in severe pain tonight and suffer from various perspectives, but they're not broken. I know some people that are suffering tonight that are full of pride. They're full of self-centeredness and selfishness, and yet there is a vast difference. As we consider the matter, we find that though suffering is often used uh, 
to, for God to bring us and break us, suffering along itself is not brokenness. Often God will use things that he does not condone or things that are not according to his will in order to break us. There are some things in mind in your life and actions and deeds and sin and transgression and decisions we make that we make them and God allows us to make them because we're, God made us free, made us free more age and we're able to make those decisions and those choices. God will not always intercede and come in and slam us against the wall and tell us we have no decision over the choices we make. He'll let us make those decisions. And there is a penalty or a price to make for the sins or the decisions we make that are against God. And my friend, may I say to you that there are some things in our life that happens that it's not the will of God, but God allows them to happen. And when they happen, God will sometimes use them to break us and bring us to the place we need to be. Tonight, it may be divorce. It might be a tough marriage. It might be a rebellious child. It might be joblessness. It might be money issues. It might be a family blow up. It may be tonight you're battling with depression, constantly worrying and fretting. It might be tonight unresolved anger and bitterness and major disappointment and setback in your life. It might be tonight illness. It might be an adulterous affair along with many other issues and problems and challenges in your life are sin. And these, many of them may not be the will of God. We make the decision, and there used to be an old cliche or adage or Proverbs when I was a child. I don't hear it very much anymore, but it used to go like this. If you make your bed, you're going to have to lie in it. If you lie down with the dogs, you'll have to rise up with the fleas, the old saying goes. And the truth of the matter is there's times in our life we make these decisions. It's not according to the will of God. In fact, many of them are against the will of God and we're unwilling to reconcile according to the divine scripture and the word of God. And there is a price to pay as a result. And while they may not be the will of God, God can allow those very things to bring us to the point to break us so that he might use us and bless us. God does not use things so much that are not broken. The Bible said that in the scriptures, even Jesus himself said he came to not those that had a physician or those that were whole, but those that need a physician. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, not those which were found self-sufficient, self-reliant. These items that we have in our life, these avenues and venues, while they may not be according to the will of God, God can use them as a avenue to break us and remake us and mold us and bring us back to his glory. He can make of us a broken and contrite spirit. And the Bible very clearly says, God will not reject them or despise them. You see, God cannot use things that are only half broken. We must yield totally to his will. God uses broken things for his honor and glory. Let me ask you this tonight. Are you broken in the hands of God? If you've never been broken by God, I say to you tonight on the authority of the scripture, you cannot be used by God. Some of the great preachers of years past, I'll not take the time to call names and go through details tonight, but I've talked to many preachers and God's allowed us to be with the cream of the crop in our generation. I say they're not in proud or arrogance on my part. I'm humbled by that, that God would take somebody from Chatsworth, Georgia and allow us to meet some of the choicest servants of our generation. And our pastor is one of those. And this church and many that are here today and to meet great preachers, men that God's got his hands on. 
and great preachers of yesteryears and those of the past that have already outstripped us and gone on to be with the Lord. I remember Lester Roloff. I may remember that name. Probably, well, there's a lot. I remember Lester Roloff. I only heard him preach one time. I preached at the Great People's Baptist Church in Texas on several occasions and conferences and so forth when Wally Cameron was there. But Lester Roloff heard him preach one time. He came to our church at Dogwood Valley Baptist Church while I was saved. And I hadn't been saved too long. And I didn't know any better. I had long hair down my back. I'm not going to get into my sin tonight. But I had long hair down my back. My preacher came up and said, now, uh, Christians don't look like that. And I looked around. Everybody had short hair. I thought, well, okay, I'll get my hair cut. So I got it cut to my shoulder. After a little while, he was gracious. He came back a little while later. He said, now, uh, Christians uh, look a little bit better than that, Brother Ellis. If you're going to be around here, you ought to get your hair cut. And so I got it cut up, just squared off, blocked off around my ears. And then I accepted my call to preach, and he came up to me. I thank God for a preacher who's candid and tells you what's on his mind. You don't have to scratch your head wondering. And he came up to me and said to me, he said, now, if you're going to be a man of God, get that haircut and look like a man. We don't need any girly preachers in our church. I said, yes, sir. Next day, I got it cut pretty much the way it is today. And, uh, but before I'd, uh, all of this took place, uh, Lester Roloff came with the Honeybee Quartet at our church. And he was, the Honeybee Quartet had sang, and Lester Roloff was preaching. I don't even remember what he was preaching on. I was sitting on the front row. I didn't know any better. I went out and brought me a white suit. And it looked like hemp or something, had a, like a hemp rope around it. I didn't have, well, let me not go there. I had clods on. You know what clods are? They're not high heels, but they're high heel shoes, platform shoes for uh, men back in those days. They were just coming in. And I didn't have the fro, you know, the afro or nothing. I still had hair down to my shoulders, had a white suit on. I was sitting there like a proud peacock. Had them tall platform shoes on. And let's roll off his preaching. And he looks down like this. He saw my platform shoes. And just like that, he started preaching on sissy boys wearing platform shoes. I thought to myself, I could not get my feet underneath the pews far enough. And he talked about sissy boys wearing white suits. I thought to myself, I didn't know any better. I just saved off the streets. I ran away from home when I was 13 years old. And so I went home. I took the suit off and I threw it in the trash. I took my platform shoes off, threw it in the trash. And finally, I was able to save up enough money to buy me what he would consider a real suit, a man's suit. And I started dressing like a preacher. Now, I don't know where I was going with all this, but you heard that part of the story anyway. But I'm telling you, I sat underneath his ministry and he preached and uh, he was a great man. God allowed us to see great men of God like that over the years. And others, many that I could mention. But there's one thing that every single preacher I've ever spoke to has told me. Brother Ellis, if you're going to be used of God and you want his hand upon you, you want his power upon you and you want your ministry to blossom and to expand and you want to have an impact, an impact on the ministry of the world and upon the nations and upon our churches. There has to come a time and a place in your life that God breaks you in order to remake you. And I didn't know what they meant, but I know what they meant now. I've been under the crushing hands of God's blow upon my life. I've been in those dark, deep valleys and wondering why God had done some of the things he'd done and allowed to come into my life. I've paid the price on some of the choices I've made and God's used them as an avenue to break me that he might remake me and mold me. And I'm not implying tonight I've arrived, I'm not. In fact, there was several times that, I know one time in particular that God broke me. 
As I think back over the years, my life in ministry and my Christian life, there were times that God allowed things to happen and he broke me over them. But there were one particular incident that happened. And I'll be honest with you. I thought I was where I ought to be with God. But after it was all said and done and the God had broke me, and I got out on the other side, it was about three months later. Brother Lyons, I looked back. And you know, Brother Jack, as I began to look back, I realized that I had pride in my life. I didn't know it was there. And I'd seen how God, under the crushing blow of his hand, had removed that from my life. I'm telling you tonight, if you want to be used of God, there has to be a time when God breaks you and I in order to use us for his glory and his honor. What is brokenness? Let me just give you a couple things and I'll close tonight. It's an awareness that no matter how hard we try, our ability to make things work gets worse instead of better. It's an awareness that we are not self-sufficient, that there are some things that happens in life we just can't control. Sometimes it may be a wayward child after they've left home. Sometimes it may be those involved in extended family. Sometimes it's circumstances in our marriage. I remember, and I'll not say much about it tonight, I don't want to draw any attention to the individual. They're still living. But I remember a preacher that lost his church and his family. And I'm persuaded before God that he personally didn't have anything to do with it. Their child died a sudden death and the wife went off the deep end and was committed to an institution for a short time and filed for divorce and left him. And there are some things that happen in life and I'm not endorsing these things. Don't misunderstand me tonight. But I'm just simply saying that sometimes things happen beyond our control. We are not as self-sufficient as we think. We do not have everything in the palm of our hand like we like to convince ourselves. We must understand that God's in control and the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Brokenness is an act sometimes of God who loves me or loves us too much to permit us to get involved in things we shouldn't get involved with. I know of a preacher who got sucked into a sting, got hooked on pornography. While online, he set up a relationship. He went and it was a sting operation and they arrested him. He lost his family and ministry. Thank God he was able to reconcile his family sometime later. And I said and talked to him, and he said to me, he said, Preacher, five times the Holy Ghost of God said for me not to do it. He said, when I opened the website, the Holy Ghost of God was saying in flashing neon lines in my soul, No, 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 don't go there. He said, when I went on to the site, and I began to set up the appointment. The Holy Ghost of God was saying to me, no, don't go there. Don't do that. He said, when I 
got in my car to go to that appointment, the Holy Ghost of God smote my heart and said, no, do not go there. He said, when I pulled up in the driveway and put my car in park, the Holy Ghost of God said, don't do it, don't do it. He said, I got out of my car and I went up to the door and before I knocked on the door, the Holy Ghost of God, the field time said, don't knock on that door. Get in your car and go home. He said, but I knocked on the door. After he got on the inside behind closed doors and laid his money down, the sting operation was revealed and he was taken into custody. And while it was a tragic sin in his life, God used it as a catalyst to break him. Sometimes God will use things, as I said, that is not his will. Yet he'll use them to break us. The results of the Holy Spirit of God moving in us and moving with us through our brokenness and taking us out the other side allows us to be changed, not by our efforts, but by his efforts. God uses broken things.